So, Murph, have you played Dagon? Dagon? I believe it's pronounced Dagon. I don't know. The hit the hit game sweeping the nation Dagon? You've, you've heard of Dagon, right? You've seen all the Dagon streamers? It, it, all... Would it actually shock you if I say I have seen it before? Yeah. You have? You have? I, I go on, like, uh, all right, I guess I'm plugging random shit now. I go on, like, Free Game Planet uh, or whatever to look at indie games or itch.io in general. Mm. And, like, I see, I saw Dagon advertised before, or Dagon, whatever, who cares? Yeah. Um, but I never played it. I was interested, but I didn't check it out. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dagon is a little, um, it is a straight, unabridged, uh, visual novel adaptation of the H.P. Lovecraft story Dagon, uh, Dagon is my second favorite Lovecraft story, uh, and I think this does it a fair service. They've got a cool narrator, uh, they do the visuals justice mostly, and it's free and 30 minutes to play. I just wanted to plug it, um, and right now the studio that made it, uh, 100% of all their profits are going to Ukrainian uh, war relief. Wow, so these sound like ace developers. Yes. Um, yeah, I really, they. I got it in uh, Humble Bundle did that Ukrainian relief bundle. That's where I got it. And yeah. then I went through about like five years of Humble Bundle keys I had never redeemed. So I like tripled my Steam library. <laughs> and basically every week I'm going to be bringing in like a handful of indie games. <laughs> Just to make sure you put, like, at least 20 minutes into your backlog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was also my... Va Once I had redeemed all the keys, I was like, okay, I'm not buying anything more until I've put a dent in this. Yeah, Luckily, I, I'm on a podcast, the Daydreamcast, which you are listening to now, dear listener, uh, where I have a reason to play all these indie games and give, and give takes and reviews and... Secretly, that is the actual purpose of this podcast, is to give a purpose to us wasting time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm Bro, and this is Murph, and uh, we are on the T Twin Geeks Network. Now, Murph, uh -huh. can you tell me about, I didn't load up the second one, Blue Flamingo. Tell me Blue about Blue Flamingo. Blue Flamingo is a very disappointing game. It's um, it's a shmup in the style of, like, like 1941. Uh, yeah, but its main like selling point is that it's all handmade visuals so the little plane you control that's like a physical model the backgrounds is like a physical model um it reminds me of those old like i spy books yeah uh the issue is as a shmup it's like the barest of bare bones now it's like the bone marrow of shmups yeah. it's it's a shmup with no different shots do, do you think they were just trying to do a proof of concept thing and possibly yeah maybe i've seen other um things by the devs and they sort of have this like handmade aesthetic through all their other games um they made shelter which i know i have at least seen like mentioned on other like gaming sites um i i don't mean to be like this but th that kind of reminds me of hylix in a way mm. um which was like, I think you saw, I showed you a little glimpse of the video or whatever, where it seems like the creator of it, I don't know, I can't actually speak to the devs, but like the creator of Hylix, I think is primarily a different type of artist. Like he's a sculptor uh, and he's using games to showcase his uh, creations. Yeah. So it's more of like an art thing first. And then in terms of gameplay, it never breaks the mold. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So 
Yeah. So Blue Flamingo, it's literally just like an endurance uh, run through like these different levels. And there's like only four maps, really. There's a daytime version and then a nighttime version. Um, yeah, I really wish there was more worth talking about. I guess it's only $5. So if you just want to like look at it. It's maybe um, worth How's it? the visual clarity? Because the one thing I'd worry about with actual physical models is like half the point is like being able to see bright colors and correctly identify when the bullets come. Yeah. So the background, I can really tell that's a physical model. A lot of the actual like ships, like what you're shooting and your mo- like what you're the little ship you're flying, they kind of look unrendered. Um, and I don't know if that's just because they chose real solid colors for those ships and things. Um, but other than the background, if you told me that these were like physical models, I would doubt it or they just look so digitized. Um, but also like when the ships explode, it's like a physical, like explosion of sparks and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And the soundtrack's also real nice. It's like this plinky sort of like space cowboy music, I guess you'd describe it. Ooh. Uh, for five dollars that doesn't that like to me that sounds like a, a an affordable expense you know what i mean yeah or it's like worth diving into would you think they would make a sequel or mm, are they going to do something i different? don't think so uh this i <laughs> yeah i just feel like as a shmup you could probably get better for five dollars okay that's fair that's also fair yeah especially with different gameplay variety and all that yeah thing. Um, and then the other indie game I want to spotlight, uh, this one I actually really like a lot. This one's called Pawn Barian. Yeah, I, lo- I looked at a little bit of this too. Yeah, it looked interesting. So, uh, the way to sell this, the gameplay is, imagine you're on like a 5 by 5 like chessboard grid, and you only have one piece, and then you've got to move around and eliminate all your enemies, and your movements are chess pieces. So at the start of your turn, you'll be dealt like three pieces, like a knight, a bishop, a pawn. And then that determines the moves you can make that turn. Um, And where this gets interesting is that your enemies aren't other chess pieces. They're like goblins and golems and things that have like special properties. So like a a goblin, you need to hit twice because the first attack, it will just dodge out of the way. So you need to like accommodate for where it's going to dodge. And then eat, there are also multiple playable characters. Um, so you start with the pawn Baryon, and his special gimmick is when he makes it from one side of the board to the other, one of his pawns gets promoted to a queen. And yeah. then you can upgrade the pieces so they have like special features, like when you play this bishop, you'll get like an extra heart back, or it will do like a splash diagonal attack. And then the other characters have like unique pieces. There's the nomad, where anytime you would make a movement that would attack another piece, that attack is instead a ranged attack. Um, it's oh. just got yeah, it's got surprising depth, and it's I really got into it. I still have it installed. I play it whenever I need to like kill thirty minutes. Um, I think initially you'll get bounced off because the character that you start with, the pawnbarian, is like the hardest character to play because all the others kind of have broken mechanics and you've got to beat one dungeon as the pawnbarian before you unlock the others so like that first that really that first hour where i was trying to beat that first dungeon um was not as fun as the later moments once i unlocked everything Hmm. i mean that's fair but like do you like that kind of like not i don't want to say tutorial but do you like that kind of system where it's like i think that's very standard for roguelikes yeah to be honest um I just wish the Pawnbarian, like the character, not the game, um, had a diff. 
I don't know. I, I wish he had a bit more to him because he start half of his deck is pawns. He's too basic is what you're saying. Yeah, compared to like any other character is more fun to play because they have like unique pieces or unique gimmicks. Sure. I mean, but like I would also say breaking the game may not be immediately desirable for design there's probably a middle point yeah where they could do i don't know there was a point where i had like failed in the first dungeon so many times that i didn't want to keep playing to unlock the others and that's what i'm afraid like other players will encounter yeah um that's fair the entire time i I was playing i was like man i would really like to play this on the phone and then i pulled up the app store and it's only available on steam uh oh wow that's shocking yeah so i don't know if it is like I mean, I guess it's cheap enough. And the devs are super upfront about how they're, like, a student team. This is basically a project. But I think it's slick enough and fun enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say go support them. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I I don't care if they're students. That sounds good enough for me. All right. I we're, are, are we already done with your games? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. We're nine we're minutes in. efficient. Yeah, yeah, we're trucking through. I guess I'll talk about my games. I don't know how to pronounce this. Harat. Uh, it's Harat. This was uh, included in the um, the Humble Bundle for the Boomer Shooters. Yeah, um, I've got it too. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I played a little bit of it. It's only in early access, technically. I believe the first two episodes are out. It's a Doom-like, Quake-like, more like Quake. I would actually, I would actually like pitch it as gameplay and color wise it's quake mm-hmm. but like in a sort of tone sense and like an aesthetic and a uh approach it's a little bit more like wolfenstein 3d mm. especially in terms of enemy designs and um just the overall story instead of obviously going into a ta- uh, going into a tower or a castle to fight robot hitler and nazis you are instead trying to go through Soviet Russia, but sort of like a dystopian Soviet Russia where there's grotesque monster variants Mm -hmm. and ugly shit like that. It's cool, though. Okay. Does this... um, Because I have played two of the games off that, a boomer shooter bundle, as it was called. Which ones did you play? um, The Paladin one. uh, And then... Medieval? Not medieval. What was that called, though? It's called something like that, right? Uh, hold on, hold on. It's oh no, I've got to go through all these game, these humble bundle games I redeemed. <laughs> you don't have to do that. I, it's not called medieval because that's a P- PlayStation game, but it's something like that. And then I played Ion Storm. I played Ion Storm as well. Ion Storm was interesting for me. If it, it was like a very Duke Nukem game, yeah. Um, Part of me didn't like the politics of it. Oh. I don't know how much you got. Um, of I only that. played the first chapter. Uh, I will say, if you only play like the first little bits of it, it is fun and interesting, especially in gameplay. I liked the guns. Mm. The guns were really fun. How for me. does like the um, they were great? Yeah, because I've I've only Dread Templar is the other one. Um, oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel? Does Harad have the issue of these like? movement shooters where once you've cleared the map there's a good like 10 minutes of looking for a key card or a door to open uh i would say sometimes i think what's interesting about harat is um there was a lot more like like to compare it to ion storm or something it would like okay 
I guess I'm trying to rephrase all this. I would say, like, even Duke Nukem's Dooms and Wolfenstein's, like, even the old id games had that problem. Yeah. Right? And that's, uh, yeah, I have a problem with that. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mind it so much. I, I kind of enjoy soaking in the environment after it's sort of a nice breather. Or when after you've figured everything out, it's nice to just rush through it. Um, I will say Harat does an interesting thing where they sort of change or not change but they give you nice unique gimmicks for every level okay. that aren't even necessarily important to beat the game or beat the level but they would be nice to just explore like for instance like i think the second level there's like a little motorbike that you can use to traverse the outside uh, arena hmm. so that way when you're going through that outside arena going i don't know where the fuck to go it took like five seconds okay. like it, it, it was fucking super easy Okay. Um, so, like, they do, like, little shit like that where I kind of appreciate it. And then, like, I think the next the next one had a piano. Literally just a functional piano that I got to just play on. There might have been a secret if I played a tune. Who the fuck knows? But it was just, like, little things like that that were really welcome. Ion Storm and other ones do small things like that. But I liked the interactivity and I liked the uh, interface of how Harat did it. Okay, okay. Yeah, that does sound neat. I guess... Uh, with a few of these, obviously I haven't played through the whole bundle yet. I, I plan to, because this is a genre I am interested in. Um, I dig but it, But I yeah. think a few of them get so lost in just being, like, a throwback that they forget to yeah. innovate. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think the only two I'm, like, super excited about... I'm not even excited about Herat to finish. I'll play Herat, like, once it adds more to it. But um, the only ones I'm really excited about are Ultra Kill, mm -hmm. which is a very uh, unique sort of approach to it all, uh, especially in movement and that gameplay. Yeah. It's sort of got like that modern, uh, like, I, I don't know how to say it, that modern arcade. Like, it feels like fucking Vanquish or any of those other ones where it's like just the numbers go high and you sort of get a high yeah. off that. And then the other one I'm excited about is Gloomwood, which is a very thief-like uh, game. Yeah. And I think Thief is a is a game that needs to be impersonated more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. What's the second game you played this week? Uh, the second game I played this week, I have to look at it. It was, oh shit, where was Vampire Survivors. So I don't know which what this was is. Also <laughs> This is also an itch.io, like, little mini... Okay. At first, I played the demo of it. And when you play it, um, visually, it feels like someone kind of just slapped it together. But it was like... I guess um, the best way to say it is like it's almost like a an enemy horde top-down game. Like, have you ever played Geometry Wars or anything like yeah. that? Right? Correct? Uh, not... Not those kind of twin stick games. I, that's not really my No, style. it's not a twin stick. Oh. No, I was about to add on to that. But like generally you are uh, a single piece on a top-down thing and you are trying to dodge while firing a bunch of horde enemies that are unique to whatever. The One of the differences is this isn't a twin stick. This is whenever you get a unique item, everything is patterned aesthetically off of Castlevania. Um, the mm -hmm. unique items are automatic, oh. and they function in specific ways. So, do you do that are... any input? Go ahead. Any input, or is the, it all the input is movement? Okay, but you just auto attack. 
Yes. So, like, the, the right stick where you shoot is not the thing. Hmm. So, like, let's say you have the whip and the axe. The axe does the fucking... It throws up in the air and it goes down like Castlevania. And then the whip hits horizontally in one direction. And those are how you operate with that. And then after you get enough experience, you upgrade to add to... Get a new weapon or make the old weapons you have better. Okay. Right? And it's... I, I would say it's a little shallow, but I ended up getting the full game because I could tell um, the appeal of this game is that sort of mindless content. Yeah. I don't know how much you like mindlessness, but like I there was just a part of me that was like, I kind of enjoy how this whole feedback loop goes and the reward system is new characters like Pondarian, which can sort of break the game and have specific weapons tailored to them with special effects and you get new items all the time that help break the game more and it, it, it's just fun and that satisfying like i almost compare it to like an idle game or a clicker game yeah where it's just like the numbers go up and you just feel good after it's 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 a dopamine loop game it is a dopamine loop game and like mixed with a little bit of bullet hell mixed a little bit with uh everything else um i enjoyed it um it was cheap if i remember right yeah. i think it was only like three dollars i'm looking at it here um, it's three dollars on steam yeah yeah i i i enjoyed it for three dollars I, I i got i mean for me like two dollars is a candy bar that's yeah. always how i think of it and I, I i enjoyed it for that i would i would hesitate for anyone to check out the demo first because the demo is free okay so. All right, that is interesting. And uh, what else do we have? Our oh, you got you got two other games. Yeah, I do, I do. I have a whole cavalcade of games. Um, so the next one I have is actually a very recent release. Um, I have been playing the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe Edition. Okay, let me ask you two things because I don't know these things. Number one. What is your history with this game? And number two, what does this add? Um, so my history with the Stanley Parable, I'm assuming is the more common history where I saw, like, the internet making a fuss over it. I saw, like, a lot of Let's Players playing it, and then I bought it for myself and played it and loved it to pieces. I, I like the Stanley Parable, the original, a heck of a lot. Um, so this, um, what's handy about this, releasing some... Uh, got uh, eleven years later? No. Yeah, it feels like eleven nine, years. I have no nine idea. Nine years like later. 10 years. Nine years later. Um, Damn, dude. Is that there are parts of the Stanley Parable that I have forgotten? Um, so you yeah. get to play through the original and sort of remind yourself. Um, how spoilerish do you think I should get with? the ultra deluxe content because I, I know i don't think you should yeah because i think one of the primary things is enjoying the writing of the game i'll say so my experience with the game is i played the mod first oh. back when fucking dawn of fucking time you were at the ground right? floor yeah it's fucking old as shit it, it that might have been like 11 years or whatever. okay but then i played like whenever it first released or whatever like oh that's cool and it was like a legit upgrade you should not play the mod yeah if you've played the original play the original and i guess as of now play ultra deluxe if you're curious about yeah it. um yeah i think i think the interesting thing is the new ways of interactivity the sort of humor that humor is very special to the game mm -hmm. and sort of very special to the medium in a way that sort of of breaks the brain and sort of intrigues how to write for video games yeah in a good way so 
I would say that this, the Ultra Deluxe version, is definitely something for fans of the original. I'm not entirely certain, because of what the Ultra Deluxe content is, I would recommend it to new players. So I'm guessing I'm going to take a wild leap and say it's heavily referential to the original game. Yes, but not always in the way you expect. So it starts with the Ultra Deluxe content, and you're like, oh, okay, so that's the extra content. And then that Ultra Deluxe content evolves, and then there's a, uh, there's a mechanic, I'll say, that they introduce once you've completed the extra content that remixes the original game. Um, so all of the endings, all of the content of the original now have like been rewritten to accommodate this new mechanic. And when, and, and it's something that's so innocuous and stupid at first, you're like, there's no way that they're going to blankify all the different like endings. Um, but they, but they do, but they do. And it's hilarious every time this one, this one's, there's no way, this what this is a shit post of an expansion. Yeah. Um like there's not whole, a whole lot of like the meta commentary on storytelling. It's kind of just a shit post for Stanley Parable fans to enjoy. And then once you're done with all those remix um content, which I just did like this morning, then it evolves again. And I'm not entirely it's kind of like the loading screen says, I'm never sure if the end is ever the end. Because now it's mm. it's evolved again, and I think there may be like a new mechanic that remixes everything again. That's awesome. I think that's um, cool. Yeah, so far, um, suck it, Elden Ring. This is my game of the year. Um, I just Damn. I just love the Stanley Parable so much. I, it's just got such a way of telling jokes. I want the um the voice actor for the narrator to win the game award for like best performance. He that's there funny. is um I'll. I'll I'll spoil a tiny little bit. Um, they they make a joke about how a lot of Steam reviews requested a skip dialogue button. So they introduce a skip dialogue button, and to test it out, they just have the narrator ramble. Um, so it, Until you skip yeah, dialogue. Yeah, until you skip dialogue. Um, and then that turns into a very funny joke where each time you skip, he's like in the middle of another monologue that just keeps going and going. <laughs> um yeah, and you can sit there and just listen to the whole thing. I did for a good, like, two minutes, and then I realized he was still going. So I, I, got, on with, I got on with the scene. Oh, you see, you're, you're a fool, because listening to the narrator is the primary gameplay. Yeah, and they, they, do, they do lampshade that a lot. I would say, like, the Ultra Deluxe version, if you're, like, on the fence about it, this, like, triples the amount of content from the original game. Yeah, that, I mean that sounds good. I might, I might pick it up. I might actually play the the original release just to properly re, re familiarize myself and then enjoy. Yeah, the they let you go through a few loops of the original because this does have like updated visuals. They let you go through a few yes. loops um, until they introduce the new content, and then you have to go through a few more loops before you get that like remix mechanic I was talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I'm going to keep playing it cause I'm fairly certain I'm still not at the end. Well, that's, that's the dream though. How much is it? Uh, the ultra deluxe version, it was on sale for the release. I picked it up for like a cool, 
I want to say like close to $15. That is pretty darn good. I was going to say if it's under 20, I will certainly Yeah, I don't buy know how much the month. base price is. Um if it's 30, I'm not. $25. So I got it with a That was in between the numbers. I got it with a 33% discount, so Yeah. Um we'll see. Yeah. Um, do you have any? All right, Murph. Yeah. It's time. It's time. Unless you want, did you have any? No, I was going to say to you, do you have any questions, comments, concerns about the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe? I've I've already, I asked the questions. I am familiar with the game. I like the game. Yeah. I would recommend it to anybody. I like those sorts of uh, titles. But Murph, we got to talk about something. Yeah. We got to. We got to talk about Yakuza. Yakuza. So this is the new, this is, I'm, I'm christening this the Yakuza Minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm ready for this to be the long haul. So I have started the new franchise retrospective on Yakuza. Um, this is a franchise I'm going in probably more blind than Resident Evil because Resident Evil, there's at least like cultural osmosis. Like I knew what an Albert Wesker is. Words. Yeah. Um, this I know there's a Snake Man with an eye patch. People make fan art of. Uh, the the main character's name is Kazuma Kiryu. There's a lot of weird shit, but also a lot of serious shit. Um, yeah, so I started with the original PS2 release of Yakuza 1 from 2006. Um, what's interesting about that game is it has a English dub, which the later games don't. Um, they wanted to have English and Japanese options, but the disc could only hold the English one. Uh, what's weird about that is it has a weirdly stacked cast. It's got, like, Mark Hamill and a few actors from, like, Buffy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pulling out all the stops, truly. Yeah, Yakuza 1, um, you know, I, it's a very foul game. It's a very foul-mouthed game, which I am not used to my PS2 games saying the naughty F word. What? <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't play GTA. I was a good boy. I played the oh, Murph. the most oh man the most profane game I played was maybe like destroy all humans. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I I played a lot of uh, I don't I, crass yeah titles. Mm -hmm. I uh, PS2 was like a good one for that. I, I think a lot of that a lot of that tude. Yeah, yeah. It's got the yeah. It, I think. I think if, yeah, I think PS2 carried the Tude. Technically, you could possibly argue original Xbox had the Tude for that generation. I don't think so, because I don't think the original Xbox had much of any. Yeah, original but. Xbox had, like, corporate Tude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas, whereas, like, the PlayStation 2 had a lot of third parties that could just do whatever the fuck they yeah. wanted. So, Yakuza 1, it starts with a pretty gripping, like, premise um, this is, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is maybe the most down-to-earth of the other games, because this doesn't have a lot of the weird side shit that I see in, like, GIFs used. They, they probably doubled down on it when they realized what people liked. Yeah, so this starts with, like, a fun premise. You're, like, a legendary Yakuza, like, tough guy, Kazuma. Um, your boss kidnaps your, like, childhood girlfriend and attempts to rape her, and your best friend, uh, kills him, and you take the rap. You go to jail for ten years, you come out to find that your your girlfriend is missing, and your best friend has kind of become, like, a heartless boss in the Yakuza, and you're sort of uncovering this conspiracy. It's a great setup. The issue is, is that there's a lot of wheel spinning and diverting off into, like, side plots that don't really have anything to do with the Yakuza. 
Well, I mean, I think by a certain point in time, people like the side plots and divergences. But I guess, can you describe to the viewer or listener the gameplay? The gameplay is, um, so you run around this fictional, well, it's fictionalized. I don't know what the real location is called, but it's called uh, Kamchuro in the game. It's a red light district in Tokyo. Um and you kind of like can go into shops to buy things. The first game doesn't have a whole lot of mini games. You can go to a batting cage. There's a massage parlor where you have to play a game to hold off your orgasm? Question mark. Um, and there's a dating game with like da- where you have to like seduce hostesses. Um, I only did one of those missions because like the reward is you can they give you a free pass to come to the club and watch them strip. Uh, oh, wow. So this is a very classic. Yeah. And then every now and again, when you're running down the streets, a guy will say, what the fuck? And charge after you. And then you go into a random battle. And these are sort of like, they're very like 3D beat up I was almost going to call it like the Arkham Assassin's Creed style, but it's actually way stiffer than that. Um, I, I'm aware, like, PS2 had those kinds of brawls. Yeah. So you've got, like, light and heavy attacks, but you've only got, like, really one combo string you rely on. Um, and if, like, it's the kind of fighting where if your enemy moves even slightly to the left or right, you start swinging at air and basically are still stuck in your combo string. When you're just beating the crap out of someone, it is fun and satisfying because Yakuza has, like, really leans into, like, the brutality. There's, like, every punch seems to break a dude's bone and cause blood to splatter. You can pick up, like, a an electric sign and beat people to death with that or, like, a, like a bicycle. Um, yeah, it's really got that, like, Streets of Rage style like feeling like you're just picking up everything at hand to beat the crap out of these like nameless thugs and then you can you can upgrade your stats get new combos there's like a secret kung fu master that can teach you uh new moves that really seem like they shouldn't be secrets because it's stuff like reverse the direction you're attacking or like counter block and stuff like that so very important yeah luckily in the sequel they just make that part of your regular upgrades um and then that's kind of it. You're just kind of going from mission to mission and then beating dudes up as they pop up. Every now and again, it will have you take part in the side activities. Like, there is one part where you got to, like, go to the batting cage and hit some balls. But it's not like GTA where it, like, obligates you to take part in the side activity to, like, let you know that it's there. Yeah. Um, if you want to just go from mission to mission, that's totally fine. Um, I guess I would ask you, after beating Yakuza 1... How are you feeling about going through the franchise going forward? I think it's a strong foundation. Kiryu is an immediately likable protagonist. And I think part of the issue with Yakuza 1 is it spends a lot of time setting up characters that uh, don't... They're not there by the end of the story. I guess I'm just going to come out and say it. (laughs) So I don't really know who's going to pop up in later entries. Um, And also, it's sort of... It's one of those games where it feels like they didn't know if they were going to get a sequel. So it has a very finality to the ending. Where everything's tied up with a neat bow. So I'm very curious to see how sequels will disrupt that. Yeah, it's not not what I'm going to tell people to go out and play. I'm assuming, like, the remake, uh, Yakuza Kiwami patches up a lot of these issues i hear it already expands on some of the story content particularly the ones like dealing with the yakuza when when people recommended this to you did they recommend the ps2 games to you 
Or did they tell you to skip to Kwame? And you just decided, um, no, I needed to be a purist. I, well, Pavlos recommended it because he said he likes the, you know, it has its own flavor in that PS2 era. And I yeah. can definitely see that charm. Like I said, I'm not used to PS2 games looking like this or acting like this. Um, the story is gripping when they're actually telling it and not having you, like, divert and deal with this random dude's daughter or something. Um, yeah. yeah, I think right now it's going to sit in the C tier. It may, like, drop down, but I had, a, I had a good enough time with it. It has one of those endings where it introduces a guy out of nowhere and has him explain how he's the villain of the entire story up to this point. Ooh. Ooh, that's bad writing that I like. Yeah. Is that weird? Maybe. I don't think you would like it in this <laughs> instance. I'm not okay. sure you would like it in this instance. Because then it's like, it, there's a throwaway line about like some sort of Japanese Illuminati. And I'm like, I Ooh, thought this was... Murph, you're kind of selling me. I like Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> okay, well, maybe maybe check out Kiwami. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, the main reason I started with the PS2 games, because I was contemplating just doing the, the remake versions of 1 and 2, because I heard they were fairly similar. Um, the main thing that was putting me off is that 3 doesn't have a remake, and 3 has gameplay that's more in line with like the original 1 and 2. So I didn't want to go from the shiny, revamped, more quality of life gameplay and downgrade, you know? No, that makes sense. I think that's a good move. Yeah, so I'm only like a fourth of the way through Yakuza 2 right now, and Yakuza 2 so far like addresses all of my problems. The combat's much faster and fluid. The story is more focused on the Yakuza. Um, it's everything a sequel should be. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, we'll see how it how it fares by next episode exciting i believe it is time for the variety minute yeah this is the most strong together variety minute we've ever had oh, we, we have ideas we have thoughts we have lists what's we, we try to tie it <laughs> now, into the main topic. all right and the main topic for this episode, we haven't even said it, is Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. um, now, now tell me, tell me, Brogan, what was our agreed upon topic for the Variety Minute? You said I didn't even agree or consent. I, <laughs> I don't think you said Homestead. So I think we ended up like go. I, I just wrote down like just a bunch of random farming games. I farming guess. in video games. Let's just run with that. Okay, that's that's about as good as we get. And because of that, I have to consult. The most important foundational uh, game of technically the last generation or two generations ago, which is Farmville. Yeah. I think Farmville is uh, is understated in its influence because it got a lot of boomers to like Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would concede with that. Uh, there's a, I mean, heck, they're still making like Farmville likes. Although they lie about what the gameplay is, they make it look like some crap about like pulling gold bars and fighting minotaurs. <laughs> they they love that. Those <laughs> it's so crazy that how they do those ads. Yeah, it's like why don't you make the game like that? How is this not? If it's good enough to get people like interest, how is that not illegal? Like how is that just flat out not false advertising? And I don't know how it works. I, you're, you're asking the wrong guy. We should do a deep dive in that. <laughs> Anyways, um, I mean, Farmville is a very shallow game. My mother used to play it, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew anybody who played Farmville, it. Farmville, um, I think my dad got into it, but he stopped after like a week because he, in his words, he hated having to check his onion crop or something like that. 
That makes sense. That is it in real time? I I remember it. Um, I didn't I didn't play Farmville. I played a uh, zombie farm, yeah. which I thought was going to be like a fun zombie time, but actually it's just Farmville, but the replacing the vegetables with zombies and then also having vegetables. Well, that sounds like that sounds like a good transition if you want to keep talking about it. Or we talk about Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah, Plants vs. Zombies. So this does qualify as a farming game, right? I count it. Sure, why not? <laughs> I, I like Plants vs. Zombies. I've never played the original release. I played it on the DS. That's so crazy. That is crazy. I played the original. Yeah. I didn't even know there was a DS version of it. Oh, yeah. It was like the first game I got on the like my DS. Oh, my God. I am so old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I like the original Plants vs. Zombies. I've never played anything else of what that franchise became. Um, yeah, they go weird because they try to do parodies of other things, like they did Garden Warfare. Yeah. Well, now it's also like a full-on hero shooter thing. Yes, I hate I hate when like every game wanted to be a fucking hero shooter uh-huh. for no reason. Mm-hmm. Just oh my god, just any. But the original game is really good. oh yeah, it's a really good tower defense game with different zombie types, different plant types. It was very fun harmless uh i enjoy it quite a bit. yeah well what's great about the original plants vs zombies is how it like keeps changing the gameplay on you like how it introduces night and then the pool and then the rooftop like that's all great and fun and what i love about plants vs zombies any game if you want to immediately get me on your game side include like a bestiary yes that's why Absolutely. that's why pikmin 2 is the superior sequel <laughs> yeah, i can see that sure um yeah and then, what about, uh, as far as other games with farming, what about uh, modded Minecraft? Did you ever do... Time out. What? Time out. To be clear, no, I don't... when was the last time you played Minecraft? Oh, probably 2014. Oh, Murph, you gotta play... Okay, when you say modded, they... They put farming in the normal game. Well, I mean, yeah, you could raise, like, wheat crops, but are you telling me there's, like, it's now, like, a whole thing, TM? I mean, people people have, like, you could build, like, a fence. All right, we're going to talk about Minecraft gameplay now. <laughs> you okay. build, like, a fence and then, like, reproduce and use, like, livestock and shit, too. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole thing where you use the seeds you to count, make your... I count raising livestock and raising wheat crops is good enough. Yeah, no, no. That, that, that patch was released by the time I was still playing. Like, that came out in, like, 2013. That was patch 1.21, Brogan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, the no, I don't, don't. I wonder what patch that is, though. That may be mushrooms. Oh, goodness. Anyways, um, I, I kind of find it interesting that, like, farming sort of interlaces itself with crafting mechanics. Yeah. Well, that's why I was suggesting it be- being, like, the topic was, like, homesteading. Because it's yeah. this whole idea of, like, building up a plot of land. Um, I, this, this is going to be a side thing, technically, but not really. Um... So, oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying it now. Harvest Moon switched games. At a certain point in time, um, the new the Harvest Moon games are called Story of Seasons games now. However, Natsume, the original uh, publishers, make Harvest Moon still. Harvest Moon now has a lot of crafting elements in huh. terms of building uh, building your, ta- your farm and shit. So they sort of borrowed a lot of that homestead aspect. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think just this idea of like becoming self-sufficient on a plot of land, I do see that appealing as a game. The issue i have and this is the issue i got into with a uh, modded minecraft this particularly the forestry mod shout out um is that they lean too much into the simulator angle and 
I don't know about you, I don't know if this is going to be a boiling hot take, but if the main draw of your farming simulator is the actual farming, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Well, I think that, I think we could, we could go in a broad discussion about that when we get to Harvest Moon, because I think Harvest Moon does a really smart thing in sort of having it be more about the life of a farmer. You know what I mean? In terms of all that stuff. But I like I yeah. and this extends to all sorts of like simulator type games. Like I'm in the I've been in the market for the longest time about a game about just like I don't know riding a train. But that like the issue is the only game that would really fulfill that is Train Simulator, and that's like about learning how to operate a train. You have to like obey the the rail signs and everything. No, and I mean manage I can see company. it. I can see it, and then just like have a bunch of different NPCs that say a bunch of different content or whatever. You can make that uh, like a have you ever played those bar games or like the that coffee game? Where oh you just yeah, like see regulars or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could do that with the train stuff. That'd be yeah, cool. yeah. But that's but, like that's what I want. The issue is is that they're leaning way too much on like the actually teaching you how to drive a train, and I I don't want well, that. Well, I think I think this goes into the idea of some people want the active. Like I, I am, I imagine the people is literally like wanting to be pilots, yeah. but they can't do the piloting for some reason. So they get the hardware and, and the accessories to properly simulate that versus the people that want the fantasy and the aesthetic and the vibe. Yeah. Like right? to me. And, and I think that's way better for just general gameplay because there's a bunch of simulator games. Yeah. Like, like car car mechanic simulator and stuff like that and i just can't i just can't get into that and i think it goes back to that thing of like i need some sort of mechanism for telling a story and that's if it's just like having a job (laughs) you know no but i like i mean okay i guess the counterpoint to this i can understand where you're coming from absolutely i guess the counterpoint to this is is i think especially when we go down to like I played truck driving simulator. Okay, that's yeah. The, that's like the one simulator type I played. And I I liked it in a way. When when you frame it like that, where it's like, I need a story. Mm-hmm. Most truckers don't have a story. <laughs> they live their life. Yeah, no, no, you know I, I, mean? I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. Um, it, it's like, and, and, and in that way, there's an accuracy to it. There's an accuracy to that that's not trying to appeal to a fantasy. It's more like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know, to, like going back. No, to, I agree with you. I totally get where you're coming. Yeah, from. yeah, going back to like games like Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley and stuff like that. I view those more as like less farming simulator and more yes. small town life simulator. Yes, where it's where it's less about farming and it's more about the the fantasy of being a farmer, where you get to go into your small town, sell your crops or whatever talk to some, you know, folk and be humble. Yeah. You know, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that all that stupid crap of the <laughs> proletariat. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into it when we talk about Harvest Moon, but no, I get what you mean. And like, I don't think, I don't think other uh, avenues have been explored yet properly for different things. But I think 
Harvest Moon slash Stardew Valley is as good as it gets for the farm fantasy. I don't know. I I, I think I, I said it best with the bartending slash barista fantasy of talking yeah. to people and sort of familiarizing yourself with regulars. Uh, th- that would be, I guess, your best thing for a train instead of learning the mechanics of driving a train. Yeah, if there was like that, but you're like the cafe car attendant. <laughs> um, But like... Uh, Technically, I guess I guess with your fascination of trains, like, do you think those simulators are meant to also appeal to model aficionados? I think to a degree, yes. The thing about Train Simulator, uh, like specifically that game, Train Simulator, is it has like five thousand dollars worth of DLC. Yeah, yeah. That are different trains and different routes. You know, I don't need photo map accurate like stuff. Just give me like a fictional route. Yeah, <laughs> to ride around on. Uh, but I think there is a, I think there is a appeal of like, I guess, being a train head and being like, oh, that's a, that's a C thirty eight English railway or yeah, and like if is. you've ever seen like, like a lot of people who did model trains did actually strive for like accurate towns of their local mm-hmm. town or whatever. And they would yeah. try to accurately model, model it like that and they would paint it themselves or whatever. It's like in that way, I could kind of appreciate it. But like, I do agree with you on the idea that there is no, it's all mechanic and no sort of way to engross you. Um, there was one that I sort of liked. I only watched Markiplier play it, which is Drug Dealing Simulator. That one had a little bit more of a plot thing going on. I would I imagine. I would imagine. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> one would hope. Do you, we, we can tie this back. Can we tie this back? Do you have to grow the drugs? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. There has to be. There has to be a pot I'm, farm I'm sure later right? on in the game, when you own your own plantation for yeah. heroin or whatever, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> Wait, time out. I do want, like, a Breaking Bad meth harvest moon. A meth harvest moon. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that has to. Okay, I can't I can't give you a meth harvest moon, but what if I gave you a serial killer harvest moon? I'm interested in that. I would like that. There's news. a game um I've played Lakeview Valley. Oh, uh, you know what? I've heard of that. Yeah, it's by um it's a spin-off from the uh Lakeview Cabin collection which I'm an advocate for. Yeah. Um but Lakeview Valley the basic premises is like it's a Stardew Valley harvest moon alike, but uh, you can be a serial killer or the town is a cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'll leave it as that. There's strange happenings and it's a horror game, but it's a, it's a farming horror game. That's exciting. I like that. I'm down for that. Um, yeah, it's a little rough around the edges. I think it's been like updated. I haven't played in like two years when it first came out on early access. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think the dev has probably patched it up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Think, I, I, how do you feel about simulators that are like, not simulating actual things like i really like i do enjoy mechanical detail in zombie games like um Mm. i like project zomboid a lot um okay that that i i was gonna bring that up like the survival genre yeah yeah i i like uh i like survival genre in general sometimes i think they go too deep on a crafting system or something but like in mm. general for like the zombie thing i like the details of like having to board windows because it all feeds into strategy when it's like those complex mechanics yeah i think it really for something like those survival games it really depends on how the dev is committed to realism because yeah. i'm a person that doesn't really like a whole lot of realism in my games sure um 
I got that game, uh, We Happy Few. Oh, God. And that game was so over the top with, like, its commitment to realism. Like, if you get injured, you start bleeding and losing health, and you have to patch yourself up with a bandage, but make sure it's not a dirty bandage oh, or else you'll get infected. I mean, games are kind of, depending on the game, I don't like We Happy Few, but, like, Pathologic is a little bit like that. Sometimes I like those sort of immersive uh, sort of experiences because you're meant to suffer. You're meant to have a yeah. bad time. I guess I maybe I'm just mad at We Happy Few for not being what I wanted it to be. That's fair. Um, no, We Happy Few kind of sucks. But dialing it back to yeah, those survive like farming and stuff like that's what I like said at the start with like homesteading, like making a plot of land like self sufficient and stuff. But if I have to like start learning like actual like crop rotation Oof. and crap like that then i i kind of bow out if i'm spending more time learning to farm than i am learning to like fight zombies yeah then i i yeah i bow out real quick because it's no longer fantasy at at that point it is literally like dirty jobs with mike rowe or whatever you know yeah if like the if i get caught in a gameplay loop of just farming yeah no I need I need something else. It has to be supplemental. Farming well, should be something you come back to, not something you're like continuously actively doing. Well, with that note, is there any others on your variety minute? Because I think that is a good transition. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> Fire Emblem Fates had a farming mechanic, sort there of. There we go. <laughs> you pulled that one out. Was it good? Uh, Fates or the farming aspect? The farming aspect. Not really. That's you just fair. plotted down... You drop down a farm in your like base area is it weird to say that i think the worst part of fire emblem is when they try to add mechanics that that are meant to just sort of base appeal but are not nearly as sophisticated as the ones they're imitating so it kind of falls flat for me this is especially notable for the dating stuff in fire emblem i think i think any fan of any game would say i hate it when they don't follow through on the mechanics they introduce no i'm not i mean okay i guess i said that in the most vague way possible but you know what i mean where it's like i don't think they do unique mechanics um in a Mm -hmm. way that's very satisfying it feels very shallow every time and especially nowadays like with modern fire emblem i just get like weird feelings from it that's it that's all Mm -hmm. yeah no i i I totally get that like the farming isn't something that oh okay they brought back the farming for three houses but they just kind of made it a greenhouse yeah (laughs) um yeah Eh, Okay, so Harvest Moon. (laughs) Okay, oh wait, we've got to do the transition. It's Harvest Moon time. So, Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo, released in America in 1997, I believe in other territories in 1996, called Story of Seasons in Japan, and the game is now called that everywhere. Uh, The game is about you taking over a farm after inheriting it from your grandfather. The rest of the game is about two and a half years of you making a farm, growing crops, raising cattle and chickens, 
uh, interacting with the town and is a lifestyle builder game than a game with a focused narrative and variety in design. Uh, for me, the most notable things about this game would be that it changed in later titles how time worked, but is largely very similar to how all the other Harvest Moons play. Murph, what did you think about the game? I I wasn't too hot on this game. I kind yeah. of found it pretty boring for most of it, but also I couldn't stop playing it once I started. Yeah, I th- I think well, I think I think the nice it, way to put it in a bow is is that even though this has a lot of flaws, a lot of quality of life issues, um you could see why the genre works. Like this yeah. is pretty much like the blueprints for a genre. I think this is something I should have brought up in the farming sim discussion is that those games kind of live and die on how much they get you to say, okay, one more thing. And then I'm going to stop. Yes. Yeah. And this does have that loop of, okay, one more thing. I'm just going to, I'm going to set up these fences and then I'm going to be done for the day. Okay. One more thing. I'm going to water these crops and then I'm going to be done. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to complain about, I'm already going to go into the complaints if we're okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the my my number one complaint about this game is time, and it's also oh, the yeah. thing I like about the game is time. Uh, I guess the okay. thing is is like from from the morning to six p.m. it goes super fucking fast. It and goes unless you so have the fast. Clock from the summer, you can't tell the time. Um, so that fucking sucks. Especially like there's a chunk of time where in that first year where I'm trying to run from my crops to the shipping bin to sell my crops. That takes up so much of my day because there's no dedicated yeah. inventory. Yeah. <laughs> and uh... there's no, you can only carry two tools and any like fruits or crops you pick up, you're like physically carrying them. Yes. So when it's, when all your like potatoes are ready, you have to go to each potato plant, pick the potato, go to the shipping bin, throw it in, go to the next plant. Um, I didn't want to use all the space on my farm. I don't know how you could. You uh, Not that first year. Okay, here's the thing I was going to say is in the second year, you get the horse. And the horse is literally a portable shipping bin. So, oh. so you could go out further into the farm and just bring your horse along with you and put the crops in the horse. And you're good to go. But, the, but like... That first year is fucking you, brutal. I spent, you got to like, go through that first of, year. I spent the entirety of my summer picking crops, like at, like yeah. especially once it goes to the tenth or whatever when the when the uh, corn started growing. I just that was all I did every day. And and the thing is, is like if you put them in after six p.m., they don't count. So you have to put them in before yeah. six p.m. So that was what mm-hmm. I was running for. And then and then the nice thing. Is, is that after 6 p.m., the night is infinite, which is not normal in Harvest Moon. Most of the time, there is, like, an actual counter. But here, if other than, like, very important things like the crops, you could do things at your own pace at after 6, which is what I did yeah. largely. Counterpoint, this game is so scary once it gets to nighttime. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I can see I'm going to assume you, you were doing this as a podcast game, right? Uh, which is not to say a game for the podcast, but a game you played listening to podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I yeah, I eventually transgressioned into that, but uh, for the first bit, I was playing as God intended with uh, like the like single focus. When it gets to nighttime, the music in the game completely cuts out. <laughs> yeah, all yeah, the it does. all the NPCs like go away, so it's just you on this huge plot of land listening to the sound of your footsteps. It is so, it's so goddamn scary. It's good. It, it's so goddamn scary. I was waiting for, like, a demon to appear and chase me. This has such, like, creepy pasta energy to it. <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk good things about the game now. Number one, I think the game is charming in graphics. I think Stardew Valley did a really good job going for that sort of Super Nintendo graphics instead of more modern round 3D graphics. Um, yeah, well, it released on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying. But, like, it holds the, up. the other thing I was going to say was is after 6 p.m., there is one place that is open, which is the bar. Did you go into the bar? Yeah, I went into the bar because that's where my lady love worked. There you go. Same with me. But, you know, I regretted that. I, I don't know if you realize <laughs> it, but I regretted it. After 6 p.m., you could talk to her, which is the easiest way for me to, like, sort of rush into a, a, a relationship because there's a marriage aspect to the game. Um, yeah. That being said... In retrospect, I should have just went for a normal girl for two reasons. Apparently, number one, Eve, uh, Eve's hearts go down. Did you know that? Like, if you oh, don't do it like every day or whatever, Eve's hearts go down. Oh, is that why I couldn't get the third heart? Okay, Possibly, yeah. If you if you like took your time with it, yeah, her hearts go down, and no other no other girls does that. I mean, um, I was working on her and the redhead, so... Oh, that's... that's Yeah, you, you split your focus. The other thing I was going to say regarding that was... Shit, I lost it. I fucked up. Continue. I... Oh, okay. Um, I, I think something that this game does... I want to like it, but also it annoys me to no end, is the seasonal gameplay, how it changes. Okay, so Summer has Hurricanes summer has hurricanes where you can't do, like you try to go outside and your character says i've nailed the door shut because of the hurricane <laughs> and the hurricanes can last so you just got to go to bed there's nothing you can do in your house uh so you go to bed and then the hurricane may last a few days i had a hurricane that lasted four days apparently and they can last 10 days did you know that oh my god that is stupid <laughs> so it just a a third of the month is gone. Well, um, and then you come out, and all your fences may be destroyed, your crops may be gone, your, like, tilled soil may be gone. So you gotta fix it all up again, and then, boom, next day, another hurricane. Uh, yeah, no, it's bad. Well, technically speaking, okay, this game is a game where you can cheat. That Ultimately, yeah. like, if you're, like, super familiar with the game, you cheat in it. So, like, in terms of the girls, you can sort of manipulate things. Like, when they ask you questions and you give them an answer they like, you can uh, go out of the room and come back and keep doing that. And that multiplies their hearts. like, Or it doesn't uh... multiply their hearts, but it gives them more interest and you get points for it. So, you could just do that. And I got three hearts by, like, the second day with Eve. So oh, like gee, it's okay. Yeah. No, so, like, I wasn't gamifying it. I'm you see that's you're on all that pickup artist. Uh, <laughs> the game. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, well, in terms uh, of the hurricanes, um, it, it like the weather is decided the day before. So what you need yeah. to do is save state. Look at the weather. And then, like, <laughs> yeah, well, you couldn't you can't save state in the original game. <laughs> I'm not 
saying I did, for the record. I'm saying you could. I didn't. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just know from, from not experience. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I actually read. I read a an FAQ. You didn't play this on original hardware. Right. Uh, the thing I wanted to complain about, which was tied to the marriage the thing. The seasons. Oh. Yeah, was and the seasons was basically I wish I went for a normal girl instead of Eve because I didn't have much to do in the fall. The real problem yeah. with this game is that there's no crops in the fall. Well, I yeah, so you can't grow anything in the fall. And in the winter, all of your tilled soil gets buried by snow. So come spring, you have to start fresh again. Yeah. That's real stupid. Because um, I had like a nice corn tomato farm going that I set up in the spring or in the summer. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, the fall, I can't grow anything. So just come spring, I can get right back to work. Uh, no, because winter destroys all of your plants. Yeah. Uh, and also like all the weeds uh, around your farm, you can't remove them in the winter. They're frozen in the ground. Oh, God. Uh, so I imagine during those seasons, you're supposed to rely on your livestock. But Yes, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I didn't get any livestock. I'm just going to oh, come out and say. Oh, Murph. Oh, my God. I missed out on mechanics. I was being a did dedicated, you, humble turnip farmer. Did you Did you just hibernate in the winter? I, I went and gave Eve a cake every day. I foraged in the fall because a poison mushrooms were 200 gold, so you could get an easy 800 a day. Mm -hmm. uh, I chopped wood. I expanded my house. I made my farm look nice, knowing that it would probably get destroyed by another hurricane. Welcome to yeah. Florida, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just kind of got into a loop of like... Because I guess the game does introduce new things as you play. Because mm -hmm. you get, like, upgraded tools. That was real weird. They introduced gnomes. Yeah. Like, little... Le they introduced the Minish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those can upgrade your tools. And there's you meet the goddess of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And she gives you a gold axe. Uh, yeah. But there's not a whole lot else to do unless in the later year two year three they introduce more things to do spoiler alert they they don't not really i mean there's like one or two things but i no. guess you can look forward to the festivals yeah i mean i guess you could build up the festivals more because the festivals pay off more i'm pretty sure oh no uh I guess uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to complain about in terms of like exploring the area is power berries. How many power berries did you find? I'm gonna say five. I don't really know what they do. I assume they expand like your stamina. Yes, they expand your stamina. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I was just gonna say for me they were a necessity because like stamina is like the big resource of the game. Um, yeah. And. Uh, Wait. Technically, you could go to the hot spring and refill it, which I did quite a bit. Um, yeah, I did that when I was gathering wood for my expansion. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's the nice stuff. But anyways, uh, the problem was is like power berries were a little obscure. And you can actually miss out on power berries. There's ones where you have an opportunity to get them. And once you've lost it, you won't get it again. So that oh, kind of sucks. Huh, is that like tied to the festivals or no one of them is for sure uh when you tr tr there's like a there's like an npc merchant that trades a chicken for a power uh, berry i don't know if you did that it was in the winter okay no i had no livestock so no chicken to trade yeah so you missed out on that power berry 
I see. I and, see. And, and he does not. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's fucked. But anyways, um, it sucks. Uh, those things I kind of didn't like, but I think at large the game does capture that sort of vibe. How did you feel about there only being really two options for anything at any time? Like, like for two, livestock, it is literally just chickens and cows, pretty much. Yeah, and then in like spring, you can only grow turnips or potatoes, which are like single harvest plants. Then you got to replant them, and then spring summer they introduce tomatoes and corn which you can harvest multiple times but they just take a while to grow Uh, in any farming game i will go for the thing that grows faster i see because i think to me the stuff with like the potatoes taking longer to grow that seems like a scam i feel like i could grow more turnips faster you get that higher dps yeah 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 more more shipments per week (laughs) um i get you Sure. That's thus the turnip farm. Yeah, and I became a turnip baron. Um, I guess I, I guess I got like a little some rows of corn going. Um, but that was like at I only got one shipment out of that before uh autumn hit. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then so I spent all of autumn like being like, okay, I'm gonna go hard in on corn next. Uh, and get like enough for a you know another expansion on the house. Um, but then winter destroyed all my my tilling, <laughs> and, and that, that just, made me that just killed your excitement. The house expansion stuff is real real screwy. <laughs> did you did you feel that? I could I could see that a little bit. I I I forgot I forgot how the axe thing worked until summer. Like I, I yeah didn't, I didn't realize how to fucking what I could cut and what I couldn't cut until summer because there wasn't a lot of feedback on me hitting things and yeah. also the sprite for. For the thing you can hit with the basic axe is like, uh, is like a, a sprite. It's like the stump, and uh, in other yeah. games the stump is not the thing you can cut first. So oh, I just assumed okay. I couldn't. For a yeah, while. for for the home expansion, there's a little sign outside your house saying like, "Oh, you need 250 pieces of wood to expand." So I got 250 pieces. I went to like the carpenter up on the mountain. And he said, "Okay, you want to expand your house? Okay, I'll swing by tomorrow." And he comes by tomorrow and says, all right, it will cost 5,000 gold to expand your house. They didn't tell you that. You could have just told me that up front. (laughs) You should have told me the day before. Let me just pull 5,000 out of my butt. And then I said, no, I can't afford that. He said, okay, well, come see me again. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and then I'll come back another day. (laughs) And you know what? When I did have 5,000 gold and I did have 250 pieces of wood, I uh, came up to him and said, okay, make make an expansion. He said, okay, I'll show up tomorrow. You know what happened the next day? What? Hurricane? Fucking four-day hurricane. <laughs> <Yeah>. Iconic. <laughs> um, but did you like the game, Murph? I mean, it's, like I said, you get into sort of that, uh, like, it, you get into that sort of dopamine loop of, okay, one more thing. There's just not a whole lot there like like i said when we were talking in the variety minute if like the farming is the main mechanic then i'm not too hot on that and then here really the farming is the main mechanic because yeah you can go into town to talk to people but they like speak in riddles yeah i i think if i literally if i could change one thing about the game it's either how time works or make the npcs better yeah, yeah, time goes by so fast in this game. Yeah. And the NPCs, like, they don't have nameplates, so I, I 
for the longest time I didn't know any of their names. Yeah. Some of them don't even have names. Some of them just have a function. It's so funny when you like doing the egg hunt and the mayor declares, Oh, the winner this year is the livestock salesman. <laughs> Good job, mayor. That's that's how I do it. He was christened that, huh? Um, and they're like, go talk into town to learn information. But most of the time, characters just say these weird non sequiturs. I think this game probably had a bad translation. Yeah, uh, but even then, I think I think this game is a little limited. Um, like, I will say, I think what's nice is, is that pretty much all complaints we're having right now are addressed in any other game that came mm. out after this where they took the notes we had. You know? Yeah, I, I would take that. But so, and sometimes the characters will say real weird crap, like uh, like on Sundays when everyone's at church, you'll find like one guy in the town square, and he'll say something like, "If God exists, why do bad things happen to bad people?" Mm. <laughs> so, or or the uh, one girl with the short hair, she, I spoke to her one day, and she said, "I don't think my mom likes my dad very much." That's hilarious. No, no that's good. That's <laughs> Who the hell starts a conversation like that? My favorite my favorite was, I think it's the same kid or what? It's the kid with the pink hair. It's not Nina. I think it's Nina's sister um, or uh, something like that. She yeah. says the line, female psychology is complicated. And I was <laughs> like, I agree with you, kid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but... It's just like the bad translation part, like one day in the spring you'll wake up and like the uh, tool salesman will say, oh, come, like, come down to my shop on the 20th. You just have to see it. And then he walks away. It's like, see what? <laughs> see what, bro? <laughs> yeah, the vague hints, I guess, are trying to get you to engage with the game. Like, uh, I, you never got the heart event. The heart event for Eve, like, literally involves, like, the, the miner saying something to you and then you have to go to the mine area and do something for it. But like, oh. I guess, I guess it's just so weird how they do the sort of like dialogue and the characterizations later games, try to develop those aspects or other games yeah. will try to, uh, emphasize other aspects that may appeal to things. I'm just going to talk briefly about other Harvest Moons. I don't know if you want to keep talking about the, this one. No, yet, or... go ahead. Cause you, so why did you pick this game? Cause you just sort of, we didn't really know what we were going to do for this episode. And you just said, fuck it. We're going to do Harvest Moon. Yeah. So clearly yeah, yeah. you had this game on your mind. Did you, have you played this one before? I have. Or... I played this on the virtual console back on the Wii. Um, okay. I've, I've played, I've played a few Harvest Moons. The The best Harvest Moons, the ones that are like the crown jewels, um, are typically the, I, I would call them the Mineral Town games. They are Harvest Moon 64, which is probably what everyone would say. Back to Nature uh, for the PlayStation. And Friends of Mil Mineral Town for the Game Boy Advance. There's also a story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town which came out they like last a... year or the year before. All of those are literally like the same game, just on different platforms. Okay, different... I was about to say, the PlayStation game and the N64 game are different games, or? They're, they're, well, they're they're different, but the same. Does that make sense? Same Yeah, key... no, I buy that, because I was looking on the wiki, and it's like a lot of these characters pop up again, but it's like yes. alternate versions it's, of themselves. It's, 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 like, it's like the same town, basically. The same systems. It's just different. It, different okay. graphics, different everything. Like, there's no other way to say it. Um, but, I like, see. in terms of the town, I think Mineral Town is probably the most calculated uh, sort of best format for liking the townsfolk and all that. I chose this Harvest Moon 
just to sort of get a perspective on what worked and what didn't for that first outing. I also wanted an older game. I, I thought we were sort of rooted in a sort of era that I wanted to like go back to other things. I, I was considering doing the fucking Game Boy Color one, which is pretty good, but it's very limited in features. Um, mm, but like this, this, this just seemed like the right thing to do. We don't have to play good games all the time on this. No, certainly not. And that's why our next game is going to be Shadow the Hedgehog. That's what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> I, I literally saw Pavlos uh, post the thing about Sonic Heroes. And to me, I'm uh, like, Sonic Heroes is the 3D Sonic that is most Daydreamcast. Sonic Heroes, I could definitely... That was my first Sonic game. Oh my god, I am so old. But yeah, sure. I never, I never finished it. <laughs> it's not worth finishing. No, stupid Team Chaotix with their bonus objectives and shit. Uh, yeah, that's the problem yeah. with Shadow the Hedgehog. Why are we talking about this? Anyways. Because Harvest Moon 1 isn't, we've, we've said it all. <laughs> okay, I also wanted to say one other thing. is like So, like, there the one I first played was Wonderful Life, which was originally on the GameCube. And that was an Now, that's the game that starts with your character attempting to commit suicide, and the angel comes down and shows what life would be like if they never became a farmer. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the entire time he talks like Jimmy Stewart. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it's I guess the gimmick of that game is obviously GameCube, PS2 era, 3D game. But um, it's basically like every year or like sometimes it's two years or three years is like a season or snapshot of your life. So like you start the game in your like early 20s, I guess. And then after the first year, you have a wife and a baby. And then two years go by and then the baby is now a little kid. And then another few years go okay. by and the kid's a teenager. And a couple more years go by and the kid is an adult leaving the farm about to do his own thing, depending on how you raised him. So like, oh, and you're old and literally the game does end with you dying. So, oh, yeah, seriously. Um, so like, it is literally a life game. Huh, man, that's, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was the first one I played. I, I enjoyed that. Um, there's problems with it for sure. But, uh, you know, I would say the biggest problem is on the PS2 port of the game. It gave you access to a new wife. But, uh, oh, that wife is questionable at best. And I, uh -oh. <laughs> that's all I'll say about it. it. Like problematic or? Yeah, problematic. I see. Well, <laughs> it's like it's like when you go into the town, you meet everybody. There's like a 14 year old girl. And then it's like oh, by the end of the no. thing, apparently you could give a feather and propose. And then they're like, well, we'll oh, raise no. her to be a proper wife. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's Tennessee. Simula it's Tennessee Senator Simulator. Yes. Yeah. I guess that was the one thing I don't like about these games is like that sort of weird traditional aspect. I guess it's so part of the fantasy, but I, I don't like off. it. It's so off-putting. The God stuff is in this game put me off too. I guess it's because I'm a hardcore Reddit atheist, but uh -huh. I was like, whoa. Well, it's also weird. I think this is another thing with the translation where it's like clearly a Christian church, but they keep talking about the God of the harvest. Yeah. Which well, is, no, I, like, I very... mean, I think that is actually intentional. They do that. They do that in all the games. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I think they just don't want to involve Christ, but have uh, obviously a Christ yeah. analog. It did throw me off when you said there's marriage in this game. And I was like, is it my main character like 12 or something? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. They, they look weird. I don't think, I think it's just the art style. The art style is just very, like, potato-y. Yeah, but then some characters are weirdly tall. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. I, th- I think we've mined this game out. It's done Yeah. Now. Are we doing, should we, should we do some plugs now? Yeah, go for, ahead. For other, for other shows on our Twin Geek network. Oh, I wanted uh, to say to you, I guess I was going to say it in private, but I might as well say it here while we can plug it. Uh, the Twin Geeks, uh, basically the, the the podcast where David and Cal talk about the uh-huh. filmographies of different directors. They finally invited me for one. Oh, um, okay. After after we talked about it. After I exposed them for the frauds they are and how okay. I know more about movies than they do. And I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a degree in film. David doesn't, so who's the real fraud? Yeah, yeah, and, and we're doing video games, a superior medium to yeah. films. Yeah, can you, I, have I told, I don't think I've told this story where I said, like, I I was watching The Godfather for the first time during COVID lockdown. Oh, God. And, and David was like, how, how have you seen all the beach party movies and not The Godfather? And I replied... Just because I have a degree in film doesn't mean I watch movies. There you go. That's that's the hook. That's the. Scene. And I hurt his soul. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um. But anyways, I I'm I'm apparently listed, and and I think it's so fitting because I they asked me for Ralph Bakshi. Oh. Um, yeah, and and like in my head, I think that's very appropriate because you got Rankin Bass. Yeah, Ralph Bashke. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a good uh, round okay. whenever that happens. So be I'm sure the Hobbit. I'm the Hobbit. You're the Lord of the Rings of yeah. this podcast. Well, I'm, I'm, it's more like you're charming. You know, I like the Hobbit more than the Lord of the Rings. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. Not not necessarily in production, but like the books. Um, but yeah. Like you're sort of charming. All this stuff, and meanwhile, I'm a little bit more edgy and gross and disgusting in its own way but like it's got its own unique vibe to it that's how i you are you are the scouring of the shire of the twin (laughs) geeks network yes yeah i think that's appropriate okay let's continue plugging yeah well alternating weeks with the twin geeks podcast where uh you will hear brogan talk about ralph bashke you can listen to i'm thinking of spoiling things which is the show for modern movies uh, hosted by our friends Steven and Vaughn. Uh, they just did an episode on The Northmen. That was real fun to listen to. And I think they're going to do a Sonic 2 episode. They are going to do a Sonic 2 episode. I I'm, saw I'm Sonic 2. It my, was something. I'm bracing myself for the hot uh, Steven takes because I know he did not enjoy that. No, I mean, it's it's not good, but I've, I've seen I've seen that movie, like, I don't know, the hard, hardcore Sonic fans I know uh, like that movie a lot. Yeah, okay, all right. I, I guess we're, we're going to talk mini about Sonic 2. I, I, think, I think it's not that bad of a movie. I would not call the movie a failure. I think anyone calling the movie a failure is bringing their own shit to it. Does that make sense? Okay. Sure, sure. That's, that's yeah, my no, thing. I understand that. It's, it's, uh, it says more about the viewer well, especially especially when they have like their own understandings of what Sonic is. I think the movie is very Sonic, and if you're a Sonic fan, for better or worse, I would say, you'll enjoy it. The same people okay. that loved Sonic Forces are sure to love Sonic 2, if you get my drift. No, I understand that comparison fine. 
All right, all right. And then uh, Stephen and Calvin are also on a podcast called Ranking the Monsters, though they haven't put out an episode for a while, uh, where they go down through different kaiju and just sort of general giant monster and mecha movies and uh, put them in an ongoing tier list ranking. Mm-hmm. Exciting. No, and w- when was the last episode they did? The last one they did was uh, two episodes ago for us, because we uh, they were doing uh, King of the Monsters and Destroy All Monsters. Steven literally has like 20 podcasts. It's crazy. Yeah, and actually, he may have 21 podcasts, because we will be bringing him on for the next episode of this. Yes, okay, and what is it's it? It's not going to be about the King of the Monsters. It's not going to be about destroying all monsters. No, we're going to be talking about... The War of the Monsters War. for the PS2. War never changes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. This is a this is a childhood classic for me. I this is this is one I played as well as a as a fond game. I, I remember playing this and Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee. Those were my yep. two kaiju games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'll have we'll have many points of reference <laughs> and com- points of comparison to talk about. Uh, great. See you then, dear viewers. should do what I did, get into farming. See this? I got this, selling corn. Comes out of the fucking ground. I couldn't believe it.